You're about to hear a life-transforming word brought to you by Trinity Baptist Church, London, an oasis for breakthrough. The focus of Trinity Baptist Church is to see people develop a Christ-like character that impacts our world. Now, prepare your hearts to receive God's word through his anointed servant. Ecclesiastics chapter 7 I'll be reading the first four verses You there you say amen The Bible says a good name is better than precious ointment and the day of death than the day of one's birth. Better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For that is the end of all men and the living will take it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter. For by a sad countenance the heart is made better. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. But the heart of fools is in the house of meth or feasting. Shall we pray? Eternal Father, what a privilege this morning that we can come before your throne in the knowledge that you are a merciful and a wise God. A God who does all things beautiful in your own time. I honor you that your word is life, your word is anointed. And your word restores and heals. Father, this morning I pray for restoration. I pray for the spirit of encouragement. I pray for the spirit of hope. I pray that in our loss, in our bereavement and pain, we will understand that there is a God who is closer to his people. And that you only do that which is right in your eyes. In the mighty name of Jesus. And God's people shall say, Amen. Amen. This morning, from the passage I read, as we join the Sechere family to give thanks to God for the homegoing of their beloved son, I want to share with us a message that I have titled, How do you want to be remembered. Ask your neighbor. Or demand an answer. How do you want to be remembered? A verse that I had wanted to be sung, to have been sung in Amazing Grace when we have been there 10,000 years. Bright shining as the stars. How do you want to be remembered? What legacy are you leaving? How will you be remembered? How will your family, your friends, and society tell your story once you go home? What legacy will you leave? What will your obituary look like? The spoken and the silent obituary. Understand that Most of the times, some of the obituaries that I read are not genuine. But when people read an obituary and it is genuine, you see it from their eyes. Praise the Lord. And we honor the Lord for the life of Wilson. What legacy did Hitler leave? His death. Yet his wickedness speaks. 
What legacy has Winston Churchill left us? What legacy has Madame Theresa left us? A woman who dedicated the prime of her life to helping the destitute and the poor in Calcutta, India. See, beloved, the only thing that is certain in life, should Jesus tarry, is death. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. Ecclesiastes 8, verse 8, the early part says, No one has power over the spirit to retain the spirit, and no man has power in the day of death. No wonder Julius Caesar said, as Shakespeare put the words on his mouth, that it seems to me most strange that men should fear death, seeing that a necessary end will come when it will come. The question is, are you ready? Of all the fears that plague mankind and the heart of man, the greatest of all those fears is death. Solomon, the wisest man, says a good name is better than riches. Not only is a good name better than riches, also the day that one dies, he says, is better than the day when we are born. Wow. How will you be remembered? A man who neglected his family? A woman who failed to submit? A young man who had no regard and respect for authority? A heartless being? What will society say about you? I pray that this morning, as we thank God for the life of Wilson, may your legacy bring hope to your generation. May people look at you as we heard last Friday and say, I want to be like this man. May your name never be a byword. Understand that in life, a man is valued by what others say of him. Jesus himself asked, what do men say I the son of man are? What do men say I am? Why? Because it is possible to live under a delusion, to think you are kind, to think you are considerate, to think that you are gracious when you are not. At times you may think you are building positive stuff into your children, only to find out 20 years later that that was not the case. And one thing I love about the children of this nation, especially those born here, is their genuineness and their honesty. They tell you as it is. So last Friday when I saw about 20 of them gathered together to share a tribute about their cousin, nobody was to tell you there lies a genuine man. How will you feel like if you were to read your own obituary? Will that change you? The truth is that in 1988, Alfred Nobel, the inventor of dynamite, awoke to read his own obituary, not only in the newspapers, but also on the media and on radio. It was printed because of a mistake a journalist made. He had mistaken the death of his brother to be him. I'm telling you that anyone would be disturbed under such circumstances. But to Alfred, the shock was overwhelming because he saw himself as the world saw him. To the public and to the world, the obituary they wrote about Alfred Nobel was that the dynamite king, the giant industrialist who made an immense fortune from explosives, has died. So the world saw him as a mass murderer. To the public, that was his life. 
He was seen as a merchant of death. And that was how it was going to be if nothing was done. None of his good intentions were known. How will people know your good intentions if you don't exercise and exhibit them? But for Alfred Nobel, he was going to be known as the merchant of death. So he resolved to solve this by using his fortune for a good cause. Understand, you know what dynamite is. And if somebody should enter into this room, unplug a dynamite, and th- you know what will happen. And he invented it. So he quickly made a quality decision to change the perception of people about his life through the millions that he had made with that invention. Even though dynamite has helped in the development of the world by breaking down rocks for roads and bridges to be constructed, because others also used it for evil to kill others, that was how he was to be known. But he made a decision to change that. And this morning, you and I can make a decision to leave the right legacy. Praise the Lord. So he instituted five annual prizes for outstanding contribution in physics, chemistry, medicine, literature, and peace. The result and the most valuable of all the prices he left is what everybody craves for at the end of every year, and that is the Nobel Peace Prize. The Nobel Peace Prize was instituted simply because of a tag that people decided to tag Alfred Nobel with. Regardless of what you hear people say about you, you can change that perspective in the name of Jesus. You see, don't, don't live your life and say, I don't care. Let them say what? No, really? Let them say what they want. There is no smoke without fire. Not everything they say may be true, but good learners, listen, they analyze, they examine, they take the good they throw that which is not through away and that which must help them to improve, they take it on board and they improve themselves. James writes and asks a question, what is your life? And says, you are a mist that appears and then vanishes. Another translation says, our life is like a vapor. When, when, you, when a kettle boils and, and you open it up, you see that vapor that comes out of that kettle. Within seconds, it is gone. It vanishes into thin air. And James says, that is how our lives are. You see, beloved, this morning, it is not my intention at all to frighten us about death. It is a subject many of us do not want to hear. A subject many pastors are afraid to preach about. Why? Simply because we are afraid. But the fact is that it is part of our lives. Because nothing is certain in life after birth than death. And it is said that about 56 million people die worldwide each year. That is 107 deaths every minute. No wonder Moses says that Lord help us to number our days so that we might apply our hearts unto wisdom. And let me say this over and over again. That At times we fail to count the number of our days. That is why we live our lives anyhow. And some people are living lives of bitterness, some hatred, jealousy. And there are people, all what they want is wealth. Money. If we live to be 70 years, 
Our days on this earth is only 25,550 days. That's all. If we live to be 80, it is 29,290,3250. If we live to be 136,500. But always understand that it is not about the number of years. Man has conquered almost everything in life except death. But the truth about death is that death is defeated. And for those of us who have put our faith and, and trust in Christ, the last thing we should fear is death. That was why the Apostle Paul was bold to say that he, I'm torn between two things. Either to go to be with the Lord, which is far better, or to be with you and to help you to grow in the Lord. Anybody who has had a glimpse of heaven will tell you that there is nothing on this earth that compares to that beautiful city. The city in which there comes no night. The city where our brother Wilson is now. The city in which the lamp himself is the light of that city and shines from morning till night. And as we try to answer that question, how do you want to be remembered? Let me begin first by saying that physical death comes to each one of us because we are made to exit this world. Look at the verse 1. The preacher says, a good name is better than precious ointment and the day of death than the day of one's birth. So the day of death is a day that each one of us one day will face. If Pastor Kingsley lives to be 90 years, whatever, yes, God will give me. The truth is that this is not my home. That is why you and I should never be comfortable on this earth. We will all go, but the question is, how will we go? And if we go, how will we be remembered? Understand that our bodies are like tents. And they wear out. They suck. The joints get weak. No matter how we exercise, a time comes when no amount of vitamins or Siberian ginseng can change that fact. And I'm telling you, these days I wake up on the bed, my, I'm and a joke I, 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 I share with my daughters. Anytime I face, ah, Davina, my here, my here, my here. Why? Because I'm aging. And the days when I could, I would run at the left foot back and chase defenders and then run. I can't. And I will not even attempt it. Because our bodies, the Bible tells us, are like tents in Africa. Those that grow to be over 100 years and uh, when they become very, some of them in broad sunshine, when the sun is hot, they are taking off their mat. The mat is laid outside and literally they are left in the sun. Why? Because the body has become weak. It is extremely wise to pay attention to good diet and exercise, but the fact is that this tent is not permanent and we must not get too comfortable in it. We must not. And as a people of God, we must make a quality decision that this world is not our home. We are just passing through. That we are strangers and pilgrims in this world, but when we live, we will make this world a better place to the glory of our God and King in the name of Jesus. May our lives, may your life and my life be such that when you exit, people will say the Lord was here. At the time when the, um, uh, the Europeans settled in the United States and wanted to take the land, you know that land originally belonged to the Red Indians. And the Red Indians were such that when they were coming, they come in their numbers. And they would wait in the night, cross over from 
a city where they had lost control and with the intention of moving to the other. But because they will walk with their little ones, or what they would say, with their little ones, when the Americans woke up, they would know the Red Indians had come this way, so they would chase them and kill all of them in their pursuit for a new land. So one day, their king became very wise and said, we will no longer travel in large groups, but we still have to travel in groups. So what we will do is that one will take the lead and everybody must walk in the footsteps of the one who is leading. And the person with the biggest foot will be the last. And after everybody has passed, he will also walk in the same footprints. And you know what? That was what made them survive. So they would, in the night, they would pass over a city, the little ones first, then the very young ones, of course, the one who has to lead will be first, the young ones, then the one with the biggest foot will follow. So the, in the morning, when the Americans woke up, they would just look, oh, an Indian passed here. So one person, why should I worry myself? And by that, they survived. Anywhere we go, the footprints we must leave must be the footprints of Jesus. Amen. And people must say that the Lord was here. A child of God who has impacted his world came into our generation. May you and I never be too full of ourselves. But may our footprints be the footprints of Jesus. Paul says that even though our earthly tabernacle is destroyed, we have a heavenly home in heaven. Doctors will tell you that cells of your body are actually programmed to die. And the scientific term, as I tried to look that out, was the word apo. Apoptosis. Doc, I got it right? Yeah. Apoptosis. And, and, and that's a process whereby the cells die. And it is said that every day we millions and billions of cells die in our bodies as new ones are formed. Which is an indication that, Oga, you are not going to be here To be remembered well, we must understand that this is not a permanent home. But also, secondly, we must understand that we will receive a heavenly body. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, the Bible says, For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Wow! Glory to God! That is, even though death we will all face death. The truth of scripture is that this body is like a tent. And, and, and for the members of Trinity Baptist Church, you know that at the end of the year, and I'm believing the Lord that this year 31st, we won't spend it here, we'll spend it in a new place. We would hire a marquee, or the other words for that is a tent. And there was a time we had a tent here for almost two years you would have observed that in no time it began to suck. When it rained, it would cave in. It became so unusable that at the end of the day, we had to throw, we, had, we just had to let the, uh, the, the, the makers of that tent come and take it away. What the Bible is telling us is that we live, our bodies is like a tent. But the truth of scripture is that even though this tent is being destroyed, we have a building from God. And the Bible says it is an eternal house made by God himself in heaven, not built by human hands. Oh, my word. You see, the difference between a tent and a building or a house is that tents are temporal Whereas houses are built on a foundation and they are built to last. 
Some of the houses in this country were built about a thousand years ago. Westminster was originally the residence of the king of England until it was destroyed by fire in 1512. The new building that we see was constructed in 1830. But the hall itself, the the Westminster Hall itself, around which the House of Parliament has been built, is over 900 years old. But if you look at that building, what tells you that this building is 900 years? Why? Because the architecture is perfect. You can see the attention that was paid to details. You can see the beauty. You can see the quality of that house. And the Bible says that what we are living in on this earth is temporary. And that God himself is building us a house. Ah, And that one day we will put off this tent and we will inherit that body in the name of Jesus. Houses that sell well in this country are the 1900 houses. They sell far better than all the modern houses that are being built. The truth about life is that whichever way we look at it, I stay here is very temporary. And I pray that may no one hearing my voice this morning miss that heavenly house in the name of Jesus. Why? We will be given that house so that we can be transported to a place where there will be no more cancer. Where there will be no more sickle cells because that body that will be given unto us is no longer prone to sickness. It is a body, it is a spiritual body, it is a body that moth cannot touch. A place where there is no more death and that place we cannot go with this body. A place where there will be no more earthquakes. A place where there will be no more strokes. Death is a transition for those who have put their trust in Christ. That is why the Bible says, Blessed are those who die in the Lord. Their good works follow them. A good name, the Bible says, is better than find perfume. The Bible says we should not worry and weep as the world about our loved ones because in the wisdom of God, he has already made the provision for us. And I I look forward to that day when all of us will be gathered at that supper with the King of Kings and with the Lord of Lords. When we will be able to identify each other because of the new bodies that we will receive. And on that day, my mom will be there. My dad shall be there. You see, the the next imminent agenda on the calendar of God is a rapture. And I pray that may none of us miss it in the name of Jesus. Understand that as we look at how we want to be remembered, we should know that whichever way we look at it, physical death comes to everybody and that we will receive new bodies. So you must know that even though you die, you still live. Death is not the end. But thirdly, understand that our resurrection is guaranteed. Why? This is because God raised Jesus from the dead. 1 Thessalonians 4.14 says, If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. If God will not abandon his son, then you and I who have become joint heads of the Lord will not be abandoned. The book of Romans Romans chapter 8 talks about God giving us two kinds of spirit. The spirit talks about two kinds of spirits. And Paul writes to them and tells them, you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. 
The spirit that we have received is not a spirit of bondage. It is the spirit of adoption. And by that spirit, we have become heirs with Christ and heirs of God. And as such, as children of God, he will not leave us in the grave in the name of Jesus. But the truth is that you and I will have to understand that it is a choice that we have to make. Let me say this again. You can choose to die the death of the righteous or you can choose to die the death of the wicked. The three most important pivotal events in the life of everybody is the day you are born, the choices you make, and the day you die. The first one, you have no control. The third one, you have no control, but you can make a decision. The kind of death you want to die. You can choose to die the death of the righteous or to die the death of the ungodly. It's a choice. Therefore, the most important thing in the three most important pivotal events in the life of everybody are the choices we make. No wonder God says, I put before you life and death, but choose life that you might live. It's a choice. You can choose to treat your wife well. You can choose to be a wife, Peter. You can choose to say the right words to a woman that will make her feel like a queen. You can choose to talk to a woman like a piece of rag. You can choose to talk to your husband and make him feel he is the queen, the king of England. Or you can walk over him as an entity. It's a choice. Your profession is a choice. The house you bought is a choice. The car you buy is a choice. The one you marry is a choice. Choices are everything. That is why it is very important also that we understand that life will never be measured by longevity. Life will always be measured by impact and content. Jesus was only 33 years. His impact lives on. John the Baptist was only 33 years. His impact lives on. Charles Dickens wrote Oliver Twist at the age of 25. And up to today, we are enjoying that book. It's about impact. Mark Zuckerberg became the youngest billionaire at the age of 23. It is about impact. It is not about age. Colonel Sanders touched the world with Kentucky Fried Chicken at the age of 65. It is the impact. It is not the age. The, the question, therefore, is how will you be remembered? What impact are you making? What will your legacy be? When people talk about you now, and if you are not there, what would they say? What kind of man would they say you are? If your wife talks to her best friends at work as a husband, and you are not around, how will she describe you to her best friends? If you are not at home and your children are talking about you, what kind of man would they say you are? We should not be deceived. The man who your children hear the sound of the horn of your car or the sound of the engine of your everybody vanishes. The moment you bang the door going out, they start jumping. How will you be remembered? How can I make my life count? Solomon gives us good counsel and says that understand that in life a good name is always better than fine perfume. In other words, the advice he's given to us is that inner character is more crucial than outer fragrance. It is not the perfume, the Gucci and whatever uh, perfumes we wear 
but the beauty and frag but the beauty and the fragrance of our spirits that comes out that touches our world that touches our generation that impacts the life of others that is what matters therefore he says that a good name so if you and I are to target for anything on this earth we must pray that the nature of the goodness of God will come over us and understand that goodness is a fruit of the spirit. So we must live our lives so that when the time comes and God calls us, they will say, ah, that man was a good man. This, well, I was there. Well, a guy, if I mention the name, many of you will know, Asante Newtown. In Kumasi, the guy died. Somebody said, hey! In other words, wickedness has its end. Wicked! Huh? How will you be remembered? A young man goes to Jesus and he says that, Lord, Master, what good must I do to inherit eternal life? Go. Jesus tells him, go and obey all the laws. Oh, all the laws. I, oh, that shall not kill. That shall not steal. I've obeyed all of it. Then Jesus says, there's only one thing that you like. Go sell everything that you have and come and follow me. Jesus was not preaching salvation by philanthropy. But what Jesus was doing was to test the heart of that man. It is not wrong for God to bless you, but your wealth must not be your life. A good name is better than fine perfume. Don't live your life for yourself. Don't live a life of selfishness. But today we give thanks to the Lord for the life of a young man who was a good man. Wilson was a good man because he put Christ above all he did. He understood the secret of how to love your neighbor than yourself. He was a good man because he was also given to hospitality. His home was always open to good people and to his family. He will be remembered for his good work. Why? Because he was a good man and as a good man, he has touched multitudes at that tender age. Even though Wilson, Nanapokud is dead, he still lives on. Why? Because of the life that he touched. I have never been to a wedding, sorry, to a funeral where About 20 cousins would gather. I've, I've never seen it. I'm not saying it can be done, but I've not seen it. But last Friday, 20 young men and women, and you could literally touch the heart of each one of them, the pain and the tears, talking about their big cousin and the impact. How will you be remembered? Some of these young people could have said, uh-huh. And I'm telling you that in this generation, unfortunately, people who join gangs are able to use their own gangs to kill their own members of family. He was a good man because his life touched multitudes. Cousins, friends, as uncommon tributes were paid to him. His caring nature came out. A young man who at the age of 34 still had time for mom. Wow. Mommy's boy. Two young people, as they were about to enter into marriage, made a vow that the first week of their honeymoon, and when they came back, then a month after, they wouldn't want anybody to disturb them. So regardless of whoever came to knock the door, they wouldn't open the door. 
Hey. What a, what a strange decision. What a shock. Okay. So, the week after their honeymoon, they come home. The mom and dad of the young man, the, the guy, they stand up, look at them. They didn't open the window. A week after, the mother and the dad of the young lady also shows up. Ha! They look at each other as they did in the past. Hmm. They kept on looking. The young man says, what shall we do? He says, open the door for them. Ah. So, a year after, <laughs> the wife conceives and he asks, she asks the man, do you want a boy or a girl? The man says, I want a girl. He says, why? Because one day, if she marries and I come and knock the door, she will open the door for me. Understand that even though the man did not take it on the woman, the thing was in his spirit. But there is something natural about women. Praise the Lord. And, and, and that touch, that, that compassionate heart, you can't take it from a woman. And when a young man can do the opposite, then you know that this is a good man. Hallelujah. A man who understood the power of self-sacrifice, his humility and simplicity. Uh, and what I learned about him last Friday was his high sense of humor. Today we say thank you to the Lord for an angel that he sent us very briefly. Not only that, Solomon goes on and he also says that and the day of death is better than the day of one's birth. And you and I will understand that. The day of death is better than the day we are born. Wow. If you have observed, the very day a baby is born, and the midwives and the doctors and the nurses will tell you, it's a boy. I mean, look at uh, uh, William and, the, and, and Kate. The whole England, we are all very happy for them. It's a girl. Praise the Lord. It's a girl. We've got a princess. But I can assure you that when that baby came out and the whole world were waiting anxiously and, and the nurses and uh, the doctor, whoever would have said it's a girl, I am telling you the first thing that baby would have done was to cry. Whereas, and, and you know that even when that baby refuses to cry, it, it, in some places, they will spank, they will hit that child so that that child will cry. Why does that child cry instantly? Because that child has been removed from the most comfortable places in all the world. And the moment he breathes, uh, the air and... and uh, Trouble. A man born of a woman is born to adversity. Ha! So that baby smells it. But we are joyful. And it reverses at death. So at death, what we are all again, again, you know, the one who dies. Rejoices, hallelujah, thine the glory. He sings to the glory of his God because he is seeing the beauty of heaven and the majesty and the power of his God. That is why Paul says, Hey, stop crying, don't weep like the world because the world they have no hope. But for those who die in the Lord. Precious in the sight of the Lord 
at the death of his saints. Therefore, the Bible says that the day of death is better than the day of birth. Because it is a new beginning, it is an entrance into peace, it is an entrance into glory, that is the only time when we are carried by the angels of God into the presence of God. Jesus promised 2,000 years ago, in my father's house are many mansions. And the moment he finishes with yours, he comes and he takes you. It is better than the day of birth because we are rested from our labors and our good works follow us. Then in the second verse, and this is the sixth reason why you should ensure and ask yourself why we should be remembered. If you want to be remembered well, then understand that it is better to go to a house of mourning. Look at verse 2. He says, better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For that is the end of all men, and the living will take it to heart. So, in other words, the moment you see the departed laid in state, the moment you go to a place where there is mourning, Solomon, the wisest man that lives, says it is better. Because if you are wise, you will learn a lesson. And that lesson is that one day, it will be your turn. The reality about what am I living for confronts us. The reality of life confronts us. There is no place to learn a lesson than in, in the house of money. And when you go and you hear the tributes that are being shred, when you go and you see the pain and the weeping of mom and dad, siblings, cousins, uncles, and aunties, and the extended family, that alone should tell you, unless you must listen to the things they are saying and ask yourself, how did it be me? What would they say? Let me bring this message to a close as we look at the last words of dying men. You understand that the last words of dying people are extremely important. And, and, and the mistake many of us do, I believe that when it is your time to go, 90% of the time you will know. And, 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 and they speak in parables. You know? They, they just drop words here and there. But they will never tell you. But for many of them, they know. Voltaire, first let's look at the words of dying unbelievers, people who did not fear God. One of them was Voltaire, the infidel. Look, listen to what he says. I am abandoned by God and man. I shall go to hell. When he was dying, these were his words. Oh, Christ. Charles IX, king of France, when he was dying, Shouted, what blood, what murders, what evil counsels I have followed. I am lost. I see it well. What murders, what blood. You think you, you kill people for power and you think you go scot-free? You must be kidding. It is appointed unto man once to die and after that, the judgment. King Saul says, I have played the fool and I have erred exceedingly. Spent all his time bitter. Did not understand why God should promote somebody else apart from him. Thomas Paine said at the end when he was dying, I would give wealth if I had them. If the age of reason had ever been published, oh Lord, help me. Help me. Stay with me. It will be hell. To be left alone. Too late. But look, listen to the words of dying Christians. Let's start with Paul. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. And I have kept. This is a man who knew that every fight that he had to fight. Not physical fight. It was the fight of faith. He had fought it. 
but he had stood. The devil did everything for him to have lost his faith, but he's too tall to the end. So he says, I have fought a good fight. See, the things he are saying about you, the devil just wants you to turn your back on God. All those things that are happening around you, stay firm in the name of Jesus. And at the end, may you be able to testify like Paul, I have fought a good fight. You know, at times the devil makes things difficult. Why is it that with all my beauty, my qualifications, I know I am good. I, no man is coming forward. Oh, no, 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 no. Your day is coming in the name of Jesus. Stephen, when he was dying, says, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then he asked the words, Lord, hold it not to the account. The Bible says, when he had said this, he fell asleep. Augustus Topladi, the one who wrote Rock of Ages, died at the age of 38. And when he was dying, he said, what jubilant and tri uh, was jubilant and triumphant as he lay dying and said, I enjoy heaven already in my soul. My prayers are all converted into praises. When Billy Graham's mom was dying, she says, Ha, huh, I see Jesus. And he has his hands are stretched towards me. And there is Ben. That is his husband, Billy's granddad. And he has both eyes and both legs because he had lost them at Gettysburg. But when Jesus was appearing, he had a, she had a glimpse of heaven and saw the, the, the heavenly house that the husband was living. The old Welsh grocer, Frank, says, Can you hear that music? I've never heard such music in all my life. The orchestras, the choirs, the angels singing, then he was gone. Martin Luther, our God is the God from whom cometh salvation. God is the God by whom we escape death. In conclusion, let me say this. Why do we die? Let me answer this brief question by saying that in our world, when medical science or modern medicine encounters a physical problem, it seeks to provide three methods for solution. The first thing any doctor will do, your GP will do, is a diagnosis. That is identification of the disease by investigation due to, based on what you say. Go and do a blood test. Go to uh, St. Thomas's Hospital for that kind of what. The essence is to establish the cause of that disease or that pain. Then the prognosis, that is the focus, that is the cause the sickness would take if it is not treated. So if it's a tumor or it's a serious infection, the test will let the doctor know. Then the test step is a remedy. Then they will prescribe the right drugs to fight the disease. If it's cancerous, then the chemotherapy. If it's an infection, of course, then the drugs or the antibiotics. In like manner, the Bible does not leave us ignorant. The Bible tells us why we die. And the diagnosis of our death, the cause of death, is sin. God said to Adam and Eve, of every tree of this garden, you can eat of it. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't touch it. The day you eat it, you will die. Genesis 2.27 they ate it, and spiritually they died. Romans 3.23, the Bible says that for all have sinned, and we have fallen short of the glory of God. In 1 Corinthians 15.56, Paul tells us that the sting of death is sin. You know, sting is the means by which a poison is injected. When a mosquito bites, it stings you. And what that mosquito da does is to inject or to infest you with that bacteria. And the Bible says that the stink of death, the reason that we die is because of sin. But there is a prognosis, hallelujah. 
And the prognosis of this sin, if, if not handled, are three. Spiritual death, physical death, and then the second death. Physical death is separation from God. When Adam and Eve sinned, when they rebelled against God, they sinned, but they lived another 900 years. But spiritually, they died. Then physical death is when the spirit goes back to God and the body is buried. That is separation. Then the second death is the eternal death when Christ will come back and will judge the living and the dead. That one, there is no cessation of consciousness. Luke 16 will tell us. And that one, it is irrevocable. It is eternal. But thank God that there is a remedy. Just as the doctors will prescribe a medicine, there is a remedy. And the remedy for God so loved the world, John 3, 16, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Even though sin is strong and brings death, God has made a remedy. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrated his love in that whilst we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Jesus says in John eleven twenty five through to 27 that I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, even though he dies, yet shall he live again. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except that is why the Apostle Paul could pick on those words and says that now, therefore, there is no condemnation awaiting those of us who are in Christ Jesus who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. Beloved, and this morning as we say thanks to the Lord for the life that has been so well lived by our brother Wilson, the Lord is in this place. It's only Jesus who knows your past and still loves you. And this morning, he wants to give you an opportunity that you can become a child of God. And he says the price is fully paid. All that you have to do is to accept it. And that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved. God is not a man that he should lie. Shall we all bow down our heads at this time? Thank you, Jesus. As our heads are bowed, I want you to begin to examine your heart. And maybe you are saying, I want all my past to be forgiven. I want the Lord to begin to do something new in my life. I want to be born again. I want Jesus in my life as my personal Lord and my personal Savior. Wherever you are seated, I want to pray with you this morning. I want you to kindly lift your right hand for me gently as every head is bowed. Thank you, my sister. Thank you. Thank you, thank you very gently. Don't, don't, don't be worried about anybody that is around you. And you are saying, I want Jesus in my life. I want him to be the master and the king of my life. Keep that hands up for me. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say this after me. Father, in the name of Jesus, this morning, I have heard your word. I recognize that I am a sinner. Father, I repent of my sins. I invite Jesus as the personal Lord and my personal Savior. Lord Jesus, Come into my heart. I totally surrender it all unto you. Come and be the master and Lord of my life. I'm praying with you. Father, in the name of Jesus, 
the hands that were lifted. I pray my Lord and my God that today will be the beginning of a new chapter that will be opened in their lives. Father, may their battle become your battle. May their pain become your pain. May their joy become your joy. Contend with those that shall contend with them. And bless those that shall bless them. Father, do something new in their lives. With every head still bowed, I want all the hands that were lifted, just quickly flick out of your seat. Somebody will have a quick word with you and you will come and join the service. The service is not ended. Just quickly, if your hand is lifted, just, just walk out the eye. Don't feel shy as every head is bowed. Somebody. You've just heard God's word brought to you by Trinity Baptist Church, London. We pray that this word will impact your life in a tremendous way. You are welcome to share your testimonies, prayer and counseling needs with us. Do visit us or write to us at Trinity Baptist Church, 2 Thornlaw Road, West Norwood, London, SE 27 OSA or call 0208 766 7732. Thank you and remain blessed.